Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate. Welcome to Toronto Under Construction, a podcast about everything Toronto real estate. Well, we are off-site, so I am your host, Ben Myers, and uh, my co-host here, the one CBC, Steve Cameron. How's it going, Steve? You know, it's going. That's my answer to everybody these days. We are, uh, we're, we're going and uh, we're uh, taking it one day at a time, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly unprecedented, and, and uh, I'm sure everyone has listened to a few podcasts uh, during the, the last few months, and, and everyone's apologizing for the sound. So, you know, we're, we're, both Steve and I are recording into our computers, so it won't be the same sound quality as uh, uh, you experienced the last uh, three podcasts that we've done. But uh, we wanted to just, you know, chat a little bit about what's happening, um, the way we see it from our specific areas of expertise. And uh, we want to just, you know, jump right into it. So what I wanted to do is just talk about a little bit about the market. Obviously, there's so many forecasts about, you know, major declines and, and, and crashes and home prices and people not paying their rent. So there's a million different angles that we could go on. But I just wanted to start off by, by saying just, you know, how amazingly strong the market was going into this, this crisis. I mean, new home sales in February were up, you know, 200% you know, over February of 2019 and 2019 was a very good year. Wow. Right. And, uh, and yeah, so the, the, the February low rise sales, I think were the highest in a decade. Um, and then the high rise sales were the, the second highest in February in, in a decade, only, uh, only behind 2017. Yeah. The, 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 the market from my perspective, as I saw it was absolutely, uh, on fire and there was, uh, from, from uh, just talking to my friends who are real estate agents and my friends who are um, single family mortgage brokers uh, to watching the pre-sales uh, take shape like we haven't seen in years. Uh, on the low rise side, sales centers with lineups around the corner, down the street, around the block, it's, uh, it, it, was, it was pretty exciting to see that again. And uh, there was a lot of excitement in the market to see a lot of these sites come back. So. Um, I agree with you. February, January, February into the beginning of March um, really was looking like 2020 was going to be a, a year of, of change in comparison to, I'd say, 2018 and 19. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, prices in the in the low rise market were finally flattening out after a couple of years of, of decline. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly expecting those to start to trend back up with, you know, the lineups that you were mentioning and the kind of frenzy back in, in that side of the market. And, you know, high rise prices are still up about, you know, 20%. If you, if you look at Altus numbers for the end selling prices, I use, um, you know, a time series generated via Buzz Buzz Home. Uh, we, we talked about in the, the, the episode with Matt Slutsky. So, you know, the price per square foot in the city of Toronto uh, was $1,165 per square foot. So up 19% year over year. So, and that, I mean, is that new? Uh, is that new sale? That's new sales. Yeah, that's new. Yeah, that's new. New new condo prices just in the city of Toronto, right? So just okay. you know, unbelievable growth. And and to be honest with you, maybe one silver lining out of this is it maybe it will pause some of that price growth because I think it was it was you know whenever whenever prices go up in double digits, you have to be a little bit nervous about the sustainability of that and and what's that doing to affordability? What's that doing to um, you know investors and and and, and you know, it's good, obviously, that the value of their units are going up, but now they have to put in 
larger down payments and are they going to be able to rent those units out be cash flow positive um, and, and so those are all big concerns and then again when when prices go up that that quickly you know the land vendors are just going to look at those prices you know do a residual value calculation and then add another 20 percent onto that residual value calculation right and and, and who's and who's paying that additional 20 percent in this market right i went out to a couple people that I had, you know, put proposals out for market studies and because uh, they were just in due diligence, had some sites tied up and they wanted me to, you know, um, do my thing, give them some insight on on the market, on the on the product, on the pricing. And 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 two of them came back and said, yeah, we dropped the site. You know, as soon as we, uh, as soon as this happened, we said, it's just too much uncertainty. Let's drop them and, and, and we can always go back to the vendors uh, later on and, and, and see, uh, see what's going on. So that's, yeah, I guess that's why you write a that's why you write a fully refundable deposit into the uh, APS while you do your due diligence because times like this you're glad you had that clause in there. Yeah, um, so that should be uh, it should be really interesting to to see if the you know it, it's hard because I'm you know I'm still doing reports and people are still um, you know they're. I mean, the development process is a very long process. So if someone just bought a site and they're not planning on, uh, they have to go through the entitlement process and they're not going to be launching this site for two, maybe three years. They still want to know how to program their, their, um, you know, their, their, their unit mix and their suite mix. But it's very hard for me to give them any sense of, of where values might be in the future, <laughs> right? So, so on that, so what do you think is going to happen here in terms of value? Are we are we going to see a major drop over uh, the next six to twelve months? Do you think that values are going to hold, and this is just a pause? Uh, do you think, from an economic standpoint, uh, this is this is a recession that's going to turn into a depression that's going to last three or four quarters, uh, and therefore everything is going to get affected by it, or or are you more um, of the mindset that you know the prices are going to hold from where they were end of eight end of 19 going into early 20 and uh when this whole pandemic sort of levels off prices will resume uh and i'm talking about end unit prices and land prices are they gonna are they gonna pick up where they left off what would you uh what would you say on that yeah so i you know i i look at it on several different fronts right so obviously i do my business is a new home market and you, you generally don't see a lot of price declines in the new home market, especially the high rise market. And the reason for that is that if, you know, generally a developer has done their pro forma, they have an idea of what they need to sell these units at uh, for the project to be profitable. Um, and, and there's usually not a lot of wiggle room. So once they've launched a development, if they can't reach that 60% sold threshold at the pricing that they went out um, to market with, you know, they're, they'll likely, you know, just cancel the site, right? So they're, they're not going to significantly lower their pricing. It's only the developers that maybe have, you know, 50% sold, maybe 60% sold, and they need to get that 70% sold to, to, to go to you and, and ask for construction financing. Uh, or maybe in this market, maybe it's 80% sold, I don't know. So maybe they're willing to, to offer um, some price discounts. But as you know, they don't actually... You don't typically just reduce the price by ten thousand or twenty thousand or thirty thousand per unit. You usually go and start offering incentives, you know, rental guarantees, um, you know, longer, um, you know, down less down payments or a longer, um, you know, uh, schedule for 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 down payments instead of, you know, fifteen percent three hundred sixty five days. Maybe it's 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 
540 days for that 15% down payment. Maybe they offer some additional, you know, uh, backsplash. Maybe they do hardwood floors. Maybe they do some some granite countertops in in the you know, second second bathroom or, or some some additional um, you know uh, benefit to, to to get buyers to buy. So it's really hard to put a cash value sometimes on on some of those changes and, and to really see where the new home market has gone. Because once a project is under construction, they've secured construction financing. They're, they're, they're generally in the range of, you know, 80% to 90% sold at this point in time. So they're less likely to to lower their pricing to move the inventory. They're they're likely just to, willing to wait it out till it's completed, and then at that point in time, you know, decide what they want to do if they want to take an inventory loan or they want to rent the units out themselves um, uh, before they 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 consider you know flashing pricing, right? So. So I don't expect there to be a big decline in new home prices. On the resale side, obviously we've seen a major decline in um, in, in demand. Uh, people can't view the units, so they're less likely to to want to buy. You know, obviously there's been a big drop off, and this is really only in the last two weeks that's been a big drop off. But interestingly enough, of the people that are searching, they're spending more time, you know, searching. So there, there are serious buyers looking. And because now they can't um, uh, view the units, they're spending more time looking at the photos. And uh, I think they said that uh, there's a 200, depending on the, the website, a 200 to 500% increase in the demand for virtual tours. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Yeah, I would expect resale prices to go down. Um, obviously, there's compositional issues, less luxury homes are going to be selling at this point in time. Um, but it will be interesting to look at the, the home price indexes. And those are kind of the quality controlled uh, indexes to see what happens to price. I mean, I, I honestly, I can't imagine them going down, you know, more than 10 to 15 percent. Um, but it really depends on how long this thing goes. So uh, and in terms of land prices, I mean, I just think a lot of developers will hold off buying anything until they to get a sense of where the market is after it comes back. So I, I would expect a, a major decline in, in land sales over the next, you know, six months or so. Yeah, from what I've heard from a number of different uh, investment sales guys and uh, brokers on the on the land side, uh, all the deals have, for the most part, uh, either fallen off uh, or just taken a pause. And I think that's one thing that, um, you know, it's going to become a theme or a trend here is that, you know, this isn't uh, this isn't a, a, an economic downturn like we've seen in the past. This is a this is an economic downturn intertwined with a, a deadly virus. And um, because of that, there's some positives and negatives. The negatives uh, obviously are, are the social distancing. You know, we're all at home. We can't go to restaurants. We can't go to the Leaf game. We all miss the Jays home opener. We can't take our kids to the parks. Um, so there's a lot of uh, difficult parts uh, to this because of the, of the virus. And obviously there's the fear of getting sick and the fear of dying, which is, you know, sort of, um, piled on to the to the economic side of the downturn, but the positive of having a, uh, a virus being the cause of an economic downturn is, uh, as Benjamin Tal put it earlier this week on the forums uh, webinar, is that there is a definitive end in some senses to the uh, to the recession here, and the definitive end, in his opinion, is a is a vaccine. Um, when that vaccine comes out and when it's available, you know, massively for everybody, um, 
It's his opinion that things are going to turn back on and go gangbusters. So I don't think that you're right. I don't think there's going to be a lot of land sales that are going to be taking place in the next six weeks or maybe even six months. But I think that whenever this sort of mental shift of, okay, there's a vaccine and the fear of dying is not uh, as, as real as it was when this first started, um, I think that, that the pause is going to end and then it's just going to hopefully pick up where it left off. Sort of, he said the same thing about jobs too, right? Like a lot of, you know, a lot of big companies are let, doing major layoffs. And it's not that those jobs are gone because the economy is gone. The jobs are gone because the world has told us to sit still for X period of time, right? The jobs, hopefully, theoretically, the jobs will be there when we go back or when we get back to this. But right now they're not. Um, and, and I think that is a very unique thing, uh, a, a discussion point anyways about this whole you know COVID-19 pandemic it's 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 very very unique and and obviously everyone uses the world unprecedented but it is it's these are unprecedented times that that no one knows you know how this is going to finish or how this is really going to end and thanks a lot to Cameron Stevens for uh, sponsoring this podcast again oh you know what no problem we're happy to be here and happy to do it (laughs) thank you we should mention too on this podcast you know if anyone else is interested in sponsoring um getting their name out there they think this is a target market that potentially they're interested in give us a shout you know you can always find us on twitter ben uh uh has a couple more followers than i do but ben my followers are up every every episode i get a couple more so uh, you know they reach out to us and uh you know we'd be happy to um to chat and if you have any questions that you'd like answered or any topics that you'd like us to cover or any guests that you'd like us to approach um you know this is we're, we're, we're people for the people you know what we say we say people helping people that's what life's all about so <laughs> anything we can do to uh to make this uh content more engaging or more entertaining um we reached out to uh joe exotic and uh we're gonna see if we can get him as a guest uh, carol, on a future carol episode <laughs> carol baskin already declined uh but um, no, seriously, anything you guys uh, want to ask us, we're we're always open to uh, ideas and suggestions. So um, anyway, Ben, how's it going? Uh, working from home? What's your home office setup like, or do you have one? And uh, I know you're just an office of one. And how, how how's home life going in, during quarantine for you? Yeah, so I am actually still working at my office. So I'm uh, I'm an office at one. Uh, my building has about. 10 units. Uh, I haven't seen anyone other than myself here. I heard someone on the weekend in the in the unit beside me go in and out. He was probably in there for about 20 minutes, uh, he or she. Um, um, I've, I've only met, a, amazingly, I've only met a couple of the other people that, that work in my building. It's just uh, you know, a very small office. So, so, so Are you in a WeWork office? Yeah, I got a small, it's 350 square feet. It's a little, you know, lofted space, you know, it's got the uh, uh, exposed ductwork and all that, all that. Is it, a, is it an actual WeWork branded office? No, no, no. It's just, uh, it's just a regular, you know, tiny little office building in the, in the East End. Yeah. So it's a, it's above, I'm, I'm above a daycare. So I occasionally hear some, some children crying, but obviously no one here now, so no. No kids, uh, kids crying down below, or no nursery rhymes being. Oh, so that now I get it. That's why you're going. You leave the kids at home, and there's no kids down below. It's your, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's your sure. place of peace. It's ridiculously quiet, and obviously the the level of emails coming in has declined significantly than it was before. 
you know, I think I was, uh, I was saying I was probably one of the most popular guys in real estate in February. I don't know what was going on, but everyone was reaching out to get market studies done. And I actually had to, you know, turn people down, which I, I hate to do. Um, but yeah, it was just only so much work that I could, uh, I could take on. And luckily a lot of that went all the way through March and, and, um, you know, I've, I've, I'm still, I've still done a couple things and I have, you know, monthly, monthly reports that I, I do for clients. I'm still working on those. So there's still, uh, there's still work to be done and, and, uh, and that's good. But unfortunately I'm working around my wife's schedule. She works Mondays and Wednesdays. So I work the other five days now. So we don't have a lot of time together, but no, I can see that. Sports every night. We are, you know, we're we're watching shows together. Ozark and Succession and. Uh, How much are you missing stuff. sports, Ben? On a scale from one to ten. Oh my God, it's making me so depressed when I think that the baseball season should be starting right now. The NHL playoffs would have started today. You know, just to think of Lakers and Clippers and and Jazz and Raptors and Bucks and the playoffs. You know, it just would have been a such an exciting time it's this is like the best time of the year for sports right it really is when all this all the leagues overlap you got football uh if you're into it you got football um you know free agency period draft and you know all that fun stuff right so it was you know really the best time of year so it's pretty you know for me it's just depressing not to have that that outlet right so yeah, yeah, no, I agree. It's been uh, it's been a challenge. Yeah, it's quite the adjustment. I, I I imagine it's you know much more of an adjustment for you. You know, you have what forty employees. Yeah, we have forty employees. So we've uh, we've got a, our head office in downtown Toronto, and then a satellite sort of satellite offices in Vancouver and uh, Calgary. And uh, so those are also uh, shared office spaces that we lease. And uh, when this all started at the beginning of uh, March, we decided. Um, we actually not closed the offices down. We just we just uh, moved out, and the two uh, two guys out west are, are working from home, like everybody. So there's no sense paying for the office space uh, on a month to month basis there. And then yeah, we we remobilized everybody into a work from home office in Toronto, and uh, we got all all of, all our entire force um, at home. Um, and it's it's been pretty pretty good so far, actually. You know, it's been interesting. We've uh, we've got onto this uh, this system called Microsoft Teams and uh, we can do video calls on there. There's a good chat uh, messaging board system on there. So all the different departments and all the sub teams within those departments have regular daily meetings. Um, and then we have a management meeting every afternoon. And, you know, it's been uh, it's been an adjustment, but, you know, it's working. And uh, I got to tell you, there are, you know, I miss the office. I miss uh, the companionship. I miss the camaraderie. Um, but a big difference is, you know, usually during a workday, there's commute times. If you're going to a meeting, there's commute time to get to the meeting, time to get back. There's a lot of traffic. You go for lunch, you know, there's long lunches or, or meetings or events after work. Whereas this, uh, you know, I just find myself literally waking up. I usually get ready every day like I would get ready for work and then hunkering down. And you're just at your desk and you're just on on call. I mean, all day, every day, there's there's nowhere to go. And really no distractions for me so it's been a bit of a it's been interesting to say the least you know just trying to navigate through this talk to as many industry professionals as i can and 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 just really get a sense of what everybody's thinking what they're feeling how they're reacting to this um and what they're seeing from you know their lens whether they're a developer uh low rise a condo developer whether it's our investors who are uh, a number of private investors or institutional investors you know, everyone has a different perspective on 
where this is going to take us and how this is going to end or when it's going to end. And uh, it's it's been it's been great to to get all those different uh, um, opinions from from in my opinion some of the smartest and most sophisticated businessmen in in, in Canada or or even North America. So. So, so I've, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. So are you guys like open for business or are, are developers still bringing you deals to, uh, and, and, and how do you price, I guess, how do you price these deals in this environment? Yeah. So I guess, um, we, we continue to maintain, uh, on a best efforts basis, uh, a business as usual attitude in these completely unusual times. <clears throat> we as a company have, have adapted to this new normal. So we're trying to work of, efficiently within that we um, we have two buckets of capital uh, one is private and one is institutional like I mentioned and both of which at some level are um, are open you know we're, we're looking at transactions we're trying to support our borrowing base uh, any any deals obviously that we have funded and are on the book you know they're 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 at a varying stages of a development. So some of them are are still land loans that are going through the pre-development and and rezoning or or, or um, re-entitlement process. Some of them are under construction. Some obviously below grade. Some above grade, which we can touch on given the announcement from Premier Ford uh, last Friday. Um, and then obviously there's the new transactions that are not yet funded but are in the pipeline and looking at, and you know, they may have come into the office six weeks ago and looking for a commitment to fund next week. And obviously the landscape has changed drastically from when the file came into in the front door uh, to today. So, you know, we're really day by day trying to navigate how we're going to adjust accordingly in this sort of, you know, post COVID or, or current COVID-19, um, I guess, marketplace. So, um, you know, the, uh, the institutions, I'd say, uh, so we work with, with a number of large financial institutions. We don't necessarily uh, work with the big five banks, so I won't speak to that in this comment, but I will speak to sort of the tier two banks and other large, uh, you know, a lot of credit unions, um, pension funds, life companies, uh, large other institutions that want to have exposure to commercial real estate or the development finance world. Um, you know, they're they have been supportive of us you know they're they're pricing risk right now so a big thing for everyone out there in um in the city and province and country to realize is that although interest rates are going down um it doesn't necessarily mean that the cost of borrowing money for real estate on any level whether it be buying your house or buying a condo or refinancing your house or refinance your condo or for buying a piece of land or building a or construction financing it doesn't necessarily mean that the cost of borrowing is going to go down peri passu with with the drop in interest rates or the drop in prime rates because a lot of these institutions are not pricing over a cost of funds like they usually do they're pricing over a they're pricing a risk right they're pricing market risk and the risk is obviously you know the unknowns that we're dealing with here but the risk is also um you know the liquidity risks from a lot of these tier 2 institutions right they're deposit takers, they have GICs, they have different uh, bond offerings. And um, like we've seen in the past in 08 and 09, like we saw with Home Capital a couple of years ago, there was, there was a slight run on, on their bank. Everyone went to pull their GIC money and put it into cash just because everyone said, listen, I want to be in cash. I don't know what's going to happen here. You know, if there's a run on any of these banks, uh, there's going to be a real liquidity crisis. 
and uh, and for that reason, cost of funds are going to go up, and and these institutions are pricing based on on those kind of risks. So I think it's important to to set your expectations um, for what you're going to get. You know, everyone's being conservative, so loan to value, loan to cost, uh, all all leverage metrics are being looked at very conservatively. Uh, we're stress testing. You know, from you know, if if Ben Meyer sends us a uh, analysis on you know end unit prices being X in this neighborhood, we'll probably stress test it 10, 15, 5, 10, 15, 20, maybe probably about 20%, but we'll stress test it a little bit just to sort of see if the deal still works, if there's a further incline or decline or or if there is an incline, stuff like that, you know. So I would say generally speaking, like I said, we're generally open for business. We're looking at new transactions. We're trying to support all of the borrowers and developers we have. Um, but we need to do it within reason and uh, and take, you know, all this new market risk into consideration when, when we're talking and, and assessing new deals. Sorry, that was a long answer for a quick question. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's, you know, that's fantastic information. I'm, I'm learning a lot here. So, you know, when I you know, was, was, you know, working back at, at Urban Nation and, 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 and in 2009, and I had just taken over running the company, and then we had this, you know, financial meltdown, right? So, and I still remember the number in Q1 of, of uh, 2009. So the first quarter that I had taken over running the company, there was 939 new condo sales. And so in a, wow. in a typical quarter there had uh, prior to that, there was anywhere from 3,500 to 5,000 condo sales. So it was, you know, running at a, a quarter of, of what it normally would have been. And then the next next quarter is a little bit of an improvement. I think we, you know, there was twenty five hundred, so it was it, it looked all right. But then the second half of the year, it was back to booming, you know, and it, it, there's maybe twelve thousand sales in the second half of the year. So the market came like rushing back, and it was it was all good again. But I was, you know, certainly worried that the world was uh, was ending. But even when the market did come back, um, lenders were still very conservative. Uh, there was there was developers that I would hear their complaint. You know what I've got. You know, 80% of the revenue in my building is sold. I can't get financing. And then even some developers who this is their first project, it sold 95% of the building and lenders saying, no, no, I'm, I just can't take a risk on you. Um, so so here, here, here's, sorry. I think there's a little bit of a difference between the 08, 09 slowdown and this slowdown. Um, from my perspective, and I and I was on a webinar earlier this week that the uh, the forums group put on, and Benjamin Tao was speaking, and and he made a very very good point in terms of uh, how how we need to look at this economic downturn, either if you want to call it a recession, if we go multiple quarters, we'll get into a, a depression. Obviously, we're hoping we're not going to get there, but the difference between this and uh, 08, 09 and previous economic downturns is that we have a deadly virus intertwined with with the uh, with the market collapse and and what that means it's 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 piled on a level of obviously uncertainty and doubt and obviously extreme levels of fear for for m most of the population um you know and there's there's this social distancing part of it has which has made us all isolated we can't go to the restaurants we can't go out um, for lunch we can't meet anywhere uh, obviously, we didn't get to go to the Joey's home opener. You can't go to the Leafs games, so so there's a lot. You can't take your kids to the park. There's a lot of that, which has made this more difficult. But the positive, uh, in his, from his perspective, which I liked, was that um, there's a definitive 
end. So, so there's an, there's in 0809, the, the, the bottom fell out and there was no sort of end to it. There was a lot of uncertainty as to what the bottom was or when the end was. Whereas this, he's saying the end is a vaccine. You know, we find a vaccine for this virus and we can vaccinate and uh, um, sort of instill a level of confidence in, in the world that we're going to be okay and not, not everyone's going to die. Um, mentally, that shift will hopefully turn things back on. So I think when this turns uh, in comparison to uh, 0809, I think the banks and the whole lending attitude is going to be like, okay, we're back. You know, like the jobs haven't gone away. There's no, it's not like for those who had to do major layoffs, it's not like those jobs are gone. It's just, everything's on hold. It's, it's like the economy. It's like the world almost is taking a pause. We're sitting back, we're, we're catching our breath, um, you know, and we're, we're doing, we're taking some alone time almost to, and, and waiting for this, for, the, for things to turn back on. Yeah. And it'll, uh, it'll I think be, that's, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are not working and, and you know, the government assistance they're going to be getting is nowhere near what they would have got. So even when the market returns, they will, will have not had you yeah. know, the same amount of income. So they're not going to be buying as much product. They're not going to be uh, going to restaurants at the same pace. Uh, yeah. But it'll be a, be a, still be a slow take up, I think. And, and I think... I agree. Uh, and then again, there's the the potential of of limiting immigration, limiting new students that come into uh, to the country just for worries about uh, the virus or, or, or especially coming from areas that were hardest hit by the virus. And as we know, immigration is a, is a huge factor driving our market. Um, um, so, so yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think are, yes, I think if you if... some factors, but I'm hoping it. Uh, um, we come running out of the gate the same way that we did in, in you know, the second half of, of, of 2009. Um, and then obviously, the, uh, I had mentioned that, hey, we, you should talk to your dad about some stories about the 80s. Because um, certainly there's, you know, a massive run up in, in pricing in the 80s. I think there was two consecutive years in, uh, in the 80s where new condo prices went up 35% year over year. And, and then the market didn't get back up to 1989 levels on a per square foot basis uh, until I think about 1995, 1996. So, mm -hmm. so pretty unbelievable downturn in that marketplace. Um, yeah. He talks about the early nineties all the time and, and how difficult that was. And, and, and uh, guys of his, uh, his vintage are uh, probably into their fifth, fifth recession at this point. So, um, you know, I think that they've, they have been through a lot of these, um, there's, there's some, you know, I guess maybe, uh, comfort in knowing that you've lived through previous recessions, whereas a lot of, uh, younger folks who just started their careers in the last five years have never, this is going to be the first, maybe the biggest, maybe the hardest, I don't know, you know, recession that they ever see, hopefully, um, you know, if you're early in your career and you're dealing with this now, you know, in some senses, you're lucky you get it, you know, you kind of get it out of the way. And uh, you, you you get a sense of how tough the world can be and how at a left field these things can come. I think a lot of people have been saying for a long time now, like something's going to happen. This market isn't going to last forever. There is going to be a recession. We don't know what it's going to be, where it's going to come from, what's going to cause it, any of those things. And all of a sudden this shows up at a left field and here we are. So Yeah, I know it's interesting. You know, these, uh, I met with a developer a couple of years ago and I had asked him and I said, you know, 
um, you know, where do you, you know, get your equity? Like, where are you going for equity? And uh, he said, my own pocket. I'm like, oh, okay, interesting. He's like, I've never, I've never taken outside equity. He's like, I was around in the 80s and I saw all these, these companies that were leveraged, uh, you know, to the, to the tilt with, with debt and, and equity. He's like, I want, I, I want to know when I'm doing a project that if, if the person's losing money, is going to be me and me alone. All right. Um, Hmm. And so I thought that was an interesting, interesting, uh, it's an interesting take that not a lot of people have anymore, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's for sure. Right. So, um, anyways, I just did that, that came up in my mind and just thinking back to, uh, you know, some of the stories that I, you know, I, I asked, you know, these guys fairly regularly in the, in the, in 2009, when I had just taken over, um, you know, running the data company and, uh, my clients and, and just asked them like, Hey, like, you know, you were around in the 80s, you know, what what happened, right? And I think, you know, just to, I know I've spoken about and written about some of these highlights that I got from some of these guys back in the, back in the day. But I think it's it's worthwhile noting that at the time in, in the 80s, you could go in and buy a new condominium with $500 down. You could walk out of the sales office and sell it to the guy, that contract for 750 bucks to the guy sitting at the end of the line and, and, and you could never be heard of again. Right. So, wow. um, so now obviously wild. every single site requires you to put 15% down, uh, if they haven't, you know, if they haven't got to, uh, to, to pre-construction financing. And, and I know if you're looking at deals and they got a bunch of 5% down payments, then you're, you're just not going to count those deals. Right. I mean, yeah, no, it's a hundred percent true. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of projects that have come our way and not just in this, in these times historically where the developer decided to take 5% down and uh, you know, it's just not enough anymore. It's uh, it, 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 if there is a, if there is a decline in the market by 15 or 20%, most people will walk away from that 5% essentially meaning that the project has no pre-sales and no, no means to close and obviously pay out the construction loan. So we look at that very closely. We look at the, deposits, uh, deposit schedule, when the money is going to be received. We look at uh, who the buyers are. We look at if there's multiple buyers. We look at, um, you know, we look at all of this stuff. And, and at, at this point in time, when I'm talking to developers, and I'm sure you're saying the same thing, it's get as much of the deposit as you can, as early as you can. And the more you can get, the earlier you can get it, the more successful you're going to be in, in achieving construction financing. Yeah. And how concerned are you if you say looked at a deal and you saw that 20% of the buyers were from China, even though they might've put that, might've put down 35%. Today or today, six like weeks ago. At that today. Today. Maybe how you would have looked at it from, um, you know, uh, three months ago. <laughs> Has your, yeah. your view changed? On yeah. That? So, so, so generally, so it, it depends, right? So there's a lot of projects that, that are being built, you know, a lot of condos um, that are being built downtown Toronto that are listen we're not going to sugarcoat it that are sort of an, an investment for um either local or foreign investors uh that's not a bad thing right like i mean that's that's been a great thing it's been great for our market it's in some senses that's what's provided the rental supply that's been so lacking in this uh in this city for a long time so um yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid of it i mean again i'll go back to my last comment big deposits uh we want to see it coming from a canadian bank uh, we want to see where the source of capital is and how long it's been in, in the Canadian bank. So we do track that stuff. There's a lot of uh, know your client and uh, um, any money laundering policy that we follow in terms of tracking the deposits uh, and the down payments. So that's important for us. Um, 
so it doesn't scare me per se. I, you know, historically, uh, the Asian um, clients and investors have been great. They they tend to be liquid. They tend to have capital. They tend to close, and uh, haven't necessarily had a reputation for walking on deals. So doesn't doesn't scare me or terrify me. But I mean, in this market, obviously, you know, if this goes on for six weeks, that's one thing. If this goes on for six months, all bets are off. And and I think that's the scary part about this for for everybody. It's uh it's it's that uncertainty of the timeline here, and um, you know, how long is this going to go on for? Yeah, yeah. The one question I got asked a lot in uh, in you know 2012, 2013, when the new condo market took a little bit of a uh, a downturn, was is there any closing risk? Closing risk. Every time I walked into to do a presentation for a lender, it's closing risk. Closing risk. Are people not closing? Right. So. And generally speaking, they, you know, most developers were having no problems with closings. People weren't having trouble coming up with the, um, you know, the, the getting a mortgage. Um, you know, prices had had gone up from when they when they purchased. And then anyone that ha- was having trouble, there was always some type of secondary lender out there in the yeah. marketplace. Uh, some guy with uh, a couple different business cards in his suit jacket that was able to provide them <laughs> some additional yeah. funding to. Uh, to get over the uh, to get over the uh, you know the, the the ledge, I guess the threshold, yeah. I guess, but uh, is that any of a concern for you? Obviously, I, I, at the at the start before the break, I talked about you know pricing being up twenty percent. So so I'm, this is kind of a rule of thumb for me is when I when I think about a downturn, is I think about how much did it go up in the last year? It could you know wipe out in a year's worth of of of, of growth is not um, you know, uh, unthinkable or not, not something that's, that's, um, uh, something I would find surprising. So wiping out of a year's worth of growth essentially means, uh, 20%, right? So that's, yeah, that's yeah. down payment, right? So, so just curious from, from, from your point of view, if you've had any discussions internally about, you know, projects, uh, that may be, you know, Due for completion in 2021 that you may be worried about, um, you know, values there in closing. Well, the thing about the thing about completions due for uh, projects due for completion in 2021 is that the the likelihood of that buyer defaulting is low, just because they probably bought that unit in 2015, right? So if you look at 2015 prices versus prices today, they probably bought it. A downtown condo. I'm just I'm spitballing, and you can correct me. But what what was what was the average selling price in 2015 or 16 was probably seven or eight or nine hundred bucks a foot at most. And now the average condo price you were saying is eleven. And some projects are selling at fourteen hundred bucks a foot. So if I bought a project five or six years ago, a site, sorry, if I bought a, a condo unit five or six years ago, um, I'm holding on to that thing for dear dear life. Now you could do an assignment sale which we see quite often. So the unit's done, you don't have the means to close. So you assign the sale to somebody else. We've seen that uh, time and time again. Um, but going back to sort of, you know, the, the root of your question is, is do, we, do we underwrite or do we assess closing uh, risk? So does, does the buyer have the ability to actually close on the, on the mortgage or on the unit? And absolutely, like in our underwriting due diligence, that's probably one of the, you know, it's, it's, one of the five C's of credit, do, do these buyers actually have the ability to close, to repay the construction loan? And and we look at that daily. Nice. Nice. That's good to hear. I mean, there's, 
I mean, obviously, I hear it from, uh, you know, on Twitter all the time. Well, all these pre-construction condo buyers, they're only buying with their home equity lines of credit, and they're all, you know, leveraged to the you-know-wheres. And I don't know why I do this funny accent when I'm talking about people's comments. <laughs> on about people Twitter. on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just every... So, what is, so, so I, I guess, I guess, the, I guess the, the market believes that a lot of pre-construction units are bought with borrowed money? Yeah, that's what people think. That's like that's one hundred percent of the market. Everyone just buy one unit, it goes up in value. I take out the equity of that unit, buy another one. I just keep doing that like a hundred times over. That there's you know twenty thousand sales are happening, and it's only like two hundred and fifty buyers or something like that. I think honestly that people think that that's what's happening in our marketplace. Yeah, I got I got to say that's probably that's that's one of the, that's a very naive thought process because. Um, you know, first of all, we live in a, a the GTA, you know, is a population of 6 million people. We have a huge shortage of housing supply. The reason that prices are so high is because there's a shortage of, of housing. And, um, you know, for, for those who um, are looking to buy their, their first home or their second home, whatever it may be, there's, there's a ton of end users who are purchasing these units. And um, a lot, a lot of people, I mean, listen, I live in a, I have, I have an extensive uh, social circle and through business and uh, and personal, I I would say that if people believe that it's just a small handful of people buying these condos to rent out is is they get a they should do some research. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I I did a big study maybe ten years ago where I, I I pulled like every single unit that was rented through MLS um, and and looked at who the who the the, the people that leasing those units were. And to be honest, you know, most of them are all different people, right? You know, there was a few, you know, people that showed up several times that were, that were leasing units out. And, and there was maybe a couple corporations that I saw that had like 10 or 15 units. And you know what, that didn't necessarily bother me that much. Right. You know, um, you know, I, I often make the point is just look at what was happening 15 years ago in the Toronto condo market. You know, 15 years ago, the, the projects that were being built in the city of Toronto or, or in the greater Toronto area, the condo projects were like 15 to 25 stories maximum, right? There were 150 units. And so the investors came in, they added the demand. And, and now what do we see? We see story, we see 40 story and 50 story, 60 story, and now a 95 story tower. Those projects would never get built if it was just the end users, um, you know, buying these projects, right? It takes these investors that are willing to take the risk that a project might get canceled, and 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 we just you know we just seen a major developer cancel several projects. I mean, it happens. Uh, it's it's better to have the investors buying those units and and taking that risk than end users. I mean, it's it, investors are simply just middlemen. Yeah, they buy it. Some of them rent them out for five years, and then it goes into the resale market. And it's available for an end user, right? So, uh, why people are so angry that they don't get first crack at buying a new unit? Well, you can. You just need to call up one of these key brokers, and they'll get you a unit, right? I mean, it's not it's not that difficult uh, a process to buy a buy a new unit. Now, there's twelve thousand new condos available for sale in the GTA right now as we speak, right? So, I always get a little frustrated by. You know, this is the constant repeating of the same dumb comments by people. And then they get into the newspaper. That was which makes it even worse, right? People who don't know what they're talking about commenting on, on the housing market and how it works. So we were talking a little bit about investors and risk. 
Um, I guess the, like, I did want to talk about the fact that you were mentioning before we got on the uh, on the uh, and started recording here that you know you have funded a site that has not got its above grade permits yet, so essentially they're shut down. And I'm I'm curious, you know, if you have any insight on what the contracts say about yeah, uh, a good question. this and, type of situation. And I'm glad you asked. So here's here's the thing, and, and this is this is a almost some some level there there's some uh, a gray area to it um, because historically the way that it works is that you get your permits for below grade you can do your excavation your shoring or your demolition excavation shoring uh, underpinning if you need if you need um, but a lot of those um, are in my opinion uh, essential and unsafe just to leave as is so a lot of sites that are excavating or shoring or underpinning or just coming out of the ground pouring concrete uh, for the underground parking um, could very arguably be deemed uh, essential just because of the fact that it's not safe to leave a site um, with a big hole in the ground you know it, it's it's not monitored there aren't there aren't people there um, so there's there's a lot to be said for those uh, those coming out of the ground that uh, that they should remain open, and then from there, if you you get to uh, the ground the ground floor, uh, historically speaking, if you were operating business per usual, you'd be getting a, a permit to and as you're going through that process. A lot of the requests were in with the get those above grade permits, not to to knock the city necessarily, but a lot of times. There's a backlog at the city, and you haven't got your your permit yet. But you know, the rules sort of is you can kind of going and and continue to build right as the as the city uh, processes the permit, or in some cases it's it's your full site plan application. Um, there's a lot of condominiums that we finance, and a lot of condominiums that have been built across the GTA that you know the site plan application approval doesn't necessarily come until halfway through. <laughs> The construction so um this this leads everyone to be in a, in a very interesting position sort of wondering how they're supposed to navigate through this is it okay the second i get to to ground level and i don't have my permit do i stop um am i am i permitted to keep going if the permit has already been processed but i don't have it in hand um if the site isn't deemed as safe for x amount of reasons do i keep going so there's there, there's uh there's a lot of unknown, but I think ultimately the liability lies with uh, with the with the developer and the contractor on site. So I was listening to a webinar from uh, from one of our lawyers the other day, and they said ultimately it comes down to um, the city inspectors uh, say and what they're uh, and who they're holding liable is is the is the developer and uh, said uh, contractor on site. I don't know if that uh, provides too much. Um, light onto it. I, I think there there is some there are some unknowns, and you know we're as an industry trying to work through these and, and get to the bottom of it. So you know the stop order apply um, to who and at what stage, and and how long will it go? So it it was uh, it was, there was a seize work after April fourth, and it was set to expire on April thirteenth. Uh, it is expected the government will extend the order until probably the end of April, but that's yet to be uh, to be uh, seen. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a construction site, you know, right beside my office and it's a rental building and, and yeah, you see these guys and they're right up, you know, together, you know, pouring concrete and, uh, and, and, 
they're working on rebars and, and, and everything. And I'm like, oh no, right? Like it's, it's, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the industry and I'd like to see the projects continue, but I certainly don't want to see these guys put themselves at risk. Right. So it's kind of a, a two-way street um you know just think of all these people that were counting on those units to move in and they were planning on moving to the city and and what have you but i guess essentially everything's on hold so maybe they're Mm -hmm. not you know people that are planning on on living in those units and taking a job here maybe that job doesn't exist anymore one of the comments actually that um, they made which i found interesting this came from one of the biggest law firms uh, on base which says we are currently in completely uncharted territory legally as there is be no legal guidance as to whether or not there is an implied force majeure under contracts due to COVID-19. Um, so, you know, just hearing that from a partner at a big law firm on Bay Street, obviously, you know, the, again, going back to the uncertainty of, of, of this virus and the markets and where we're going to go, like it's, it, it's, we truly are in this together. I said it earlier, it sounds cliche, but it's true. We are trying to navigate this, um, this collectively and you know no one wants to necessarily be offside but at the same time you know if you talk to the foreman guys on site or you talk to a lot of the trades guys on site they want to keep working because they want to keep getting paid and they believe that if you just limit the amount of people yeah. on site and you can work safely and social distance uh and they provide you know the the right uh sanitary equipment and personal protective equipment that they they're safe to keep working so um again like I, I i don't have all the answers i don't think anybody does either though yeah yeah no it's uh it's crazy times you know just think of all the people that are uh you know that don't have enough money to pay their rent and then the landlords uh, and owners don't have enough money to to pay their mortgage and uh you know and some of these big companies they don't have enough to 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 you know return to their you know investment partners insurance companies and pension funds and and I think, wow, you know, this, this, you know, some, you know, some older gentleman's yeah. not getting his yeah. pension, <laughs> right? You know, I just wonder how the let, you know, how the the whole, you know, ladder gets broken, the whole economy gets broken by, you know, some of these, uh, uh, depending on what's what's going on, right? Well, ultimately, I think, I think. Ultimately, I think that the the feds are going to have to step up, and and there's going to be uh, there's going to be big bailouts for the big institutions. I think uh, it's all going to trickle up. So, if the if this if the if the renter can't pay his rent, then uh, you know the landlord can't pay the mortgage, and then the bank, you know, so if you have to forgive the rent, the mortgage, the more the, the the lender has to forgive the mortgage or defer the mortgage, and then up upstream it goes, you know, and uh, from again from from the pension perspective. First of all, most of the pensions are extremely well capitalized, and uh, and and they should be able to weather this and and continue to pay for you know they're they're fairly liquid with with, with large balance sheets. So I, I wouldn't be too too concerned about some of the, the major pensions for a two or three month blip. Again, going back to my other comment, if this is six weeks, it's one thing. If it's six months, bets are off, right? So all bets are off. It's, it's a different conversation, which we don't have answers to. Um, so anyway, uh, listen, we got to continue uh, talking and conversing with one another. Uh, ben and I are going to continue hosting these podcasts. We're going to try to do some shorter ones more regularly. If you have any uh, comments or questions you want us to answer, we should, uh, we will, we will continue to, uh, to be here for you and, uh, and support everybody any way we can, but by no means do we have all the answers or, or, 
have uh, you know the crystal ball, which is going to tell everyone when is rock bottom and and when are we going to come starting to finger way out of this. Maybe you do, Ben, but I don't. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, I certainly don't have the crystal balls. Uh, <laughs> that sounded wrong, but we'll uh, we'll we'll end it on on that note. And I appreciate you uh, you listening. Uh, if you want to reach out to Steve, uh, you can get him on Twitter. And Steve, remind me what your your Twitter. <laughs> it's uh, at is. the one Stevie C. <laughs> I think I made that when uh, I was one in high C. school, but maybe university. I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, you can find me there, or at Cameron. Ask Cameron at CameronStevens.com. Yes, and I am uh, at Ben Myers two nine. If it, it, I'm sure some people wonder why it's two nine, but my my favorite player when I was a kid was Jesse Barfield. He was he was number twenty nine. I was born February 9th, so two nine. So it was there kind it of is. a natural uh, extension. There's a lot of a lot of Ben Myers out there, so it's kind of funny when people send tweets out to the other Ben Myers, and they're like, "Why is this person <laughs> asking me about the condo market?" So That's great. <laughs> and I'm at uh, bullpenconsulting.ca. It's my website, and we'll. Actually, going to have uh, uh, an interesting blog up a little uh, a little uh, later on some um, kind of big data trends coming uh, on a national level uh, with uh, with my friends at Local Logic providing me some great data to uh, to discuss. So look for that. All right, Steve. Beautiful. Okay, so yes, one last thing I'll say. Just uh, you know, we are in this uh, crazy time, and as uh, as an industry, and just as uh, as citizens of this great country, we need to to shout out all of our uh, frontline workers, all the first responders, doctors, nurses, uh, scientists working on the vaccines, um, everyone from uh, from from those uh, those professions. We do thank you and and keep up the good work and thanks for keeping us safe. And for everybody else out there, take this seriously. Social distance. Stay inside. Don't go out. Uh, listen, at this point, we need to listen and support the government for, uh, for better, for worse. And, um, you know, let's, let's try and work as a community and as an, as a, as an industry together to, uh, just to flatten the theoretical curve and, and, uh, and, exactly. and get back to work. Exactly. We need to get back to work and we need to get back to work as soon as possible. And, um, you know, we got to take this seriously. So well that's said. my message for everybody and, and stay positive. Stay healthy. If you need, if you need uh, someone to talk to, call Ben or I. You know, we're we're Perfect. here for. Everybody. All right. Well said, buddy. We'll talk. People soon. helping people, right, Ben? All right. Okay. All right. Take care, guys. Stay safe.